Hello, this is Billy Moon. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. It's 2022 already, season three. As COVID stays in our lives, I missed talking and learning from other creatives. And I discovered a newfound hobby of connecting people to other people to get close to their dreams. So bear with my interview skills, if any, and dive into the stills of life. Are you ready? Let's go. For those who are listening to this nonsense, uh, Frankie Rodano, is that how you say your name? Rodono. You Rodono? row the dough. Rodondo? And say no. Oh, no. Rodono Beach? Rodono. Rodono. Yeah. He spent a very big chunk of time um, on a mission trip in Thailand and India. And I am quite stunned he has come back alive without any further diseases. Let's get to know you a little bit. Sure. Who are you? Frank Nicholas Rodono Third, named after my grandfather. I've always had a heart for culinary, hospitality. Did you go to culinary school? I did not go to culinary school. Out of high school, I was working in restaurants and working to... By choice? Yeah. So oh, good. I wanted to figure out if that's actually what I wanted to do. So I, oh. I went straight into... Kind of like fine dining Italian. All of the restaurants I've worked Ooh. in are, have been Italian. A lot of what pasta based. What did you have to wear? What did I have to wear? Yeah, tuxedo, you, cigar, no, the whole thing. No, there was no fake mustache. Or <laughs> I, I had a real mustache back then, actually. Yeah, just yeah. the mustache. The same one I'm looking at right now. Yeah, but it was it was just I'm Younger. covering the bottom of my beard. It was just this. So oh. I looked like Mario. Or the Pringles, the guy on the Pringles can. Oh, that was you. That was me. Oh yeah. shoot, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, but yeah, a lot of a lot of Italian, and then there came to be a point where either I went back to culinary school. I had always wanted to go to the CIA, which is not the. Huh? It's not the government. Uh, oh, that's a deep turn. The, we just the did. Culinary Institute of America, right? That's it's oh. like the premier culinary school of America. Oh, the other CIA. Yeah. Okay. Or the other option would have been to go to hospitality management. So the business side of like of managing, restaurants. managing hospitals and managing hospitality. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Hotels, restaurants, private clubs, that kind of uh, industry. There is an allure to that kind of world. Uh-huh. Did that by any chance kind of seduce you or hook you into it? kind of that wealthy lifestyle a little bit you know i enjoy entertaining the lifestyle didn't play a role until maybe after i was 21 and i realized like oh i'm i'm like an adult i can i can like (laughs) like there's fun stuff here there's girls and alcohol and you know that scene there's a lot of drugs of course Yeah. yeah yeah i mean you're entering the world of james bond really I mean the servanthood behind it, not the sure. Yeah, there is the wealth on the other side of the counter, but yeah. that that was not the allure that I was after. It was it was the you know crafting these crafting these things, these like you know little morsels that you can admire and then partake in. It be, you know you consume it, something that I've created for you, and we you have an appreciation for that, and I, you know we're all, we're doing this thing together almost that's kind of i enjoy serving people you like the teamwork behind oh the teamwork is a huge part of working behind the in scenes. a kitchen yeah 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 could you have done the same thing at a fast food place 
probably not. <laughs> no, no, no. There is a level. There is a level. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, see, it's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> no, there's a level that you need to be able to. A standard that you need to be able a to. Standard. That's a to build word. upon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not something anyone can do. And then obviously, it's not just a kitchen thing. It's the service on the other side as well. I don't know. I'm sure you know a lot of your other people on here have this kind of experience from uh, a necessity point of view where they're servers or whatever while they're while they're working through their modeling career or whatever you yeah. know it's a challenging period uh-huh. we, all, we all have to go through sure but yeah. but that's that's what i live for i mean that's were you like that as a kid i always knew i wanted to go into culinary yeah was it ever like an epiphany that struck or is maybe it's just in your blood i think it's in my blood but it's also i grew up in the era of I'd come home from school and I'd watch the Food Channel uh-huh. or Cooking Network, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that I that's what I was raised on. That's right. what I... I wouldn't come home to cartoons. I would come home to like Iron Chef and... Right. No yeah. reservation. Yeah. So. Well, it was before... It was even before that. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. So... <laughs> yeah. um, Sit down, okay. All I right. Don't, I don't get so offended <laughs> by standing up and like. Okay, well, it's hard for me to talk about handcrafted pasta when you are making. You're gonna bring this up. Crock pot. Crock. You're making pressure cooker oh pasta. My God. You're really bringing this up in the podcast. I think the people want to know what you make for dinner. Last and I, night. And I'm kind of offended by it. Look, I'm telling you, I did it like six times with the Instapot to make spaghetti with meatballs, and they've always been successful. Ask around. Just don't post it on social media, please. Because you'll see it and have a rage fit? What are you my heart do? will what hurt. What are you going to do? What are you, you going to do? What are you going to do? Why do you care? It's my food. You're not eating it. It offends me. You know there's like a million people doing the same thing. Okay. It's okay. You are, can... you, are you going to send them like cold messages? And be no, like, I just won't be. I that. just won't be eating it. <laughs> I'm gonna have to trick you into eating it somehow. Like, oh, Frankie, I'll try it. I'll try Frankie, it. I did it. I did spaghetti the old-fashioned way. I've been proven wrong with many times with pasta before. Many times. There's the Japanese Japanese style pasta. Easy, easy. Which I didn't like at first, but and then it grew on me. It's it's the butter, dude. <laughs> there is a lot of butter. What did Bourdain ever teach us? When you go to a restaurant, you're eating what a stick plus yeah a, a meal yeah which is crazy. It's got that nice sheen and mm. restaurant food always tastes better. Yeah. You're a fan of this, right? Backtracking, right? The two options for me was culinary school or hospitality management. So I went back after I reached that ceiling where I knew hospitality management had the more longevity of uh, of, of career choice. And I went back. I went to uh, Cal Why? Poly Pomona. You can't be in the kitchen for as a uh, you can't retire in the kitchen. It makes more sense to understand the business side of things mm. have with an entrepreneurial spirit okay. and then make your own money. I, I graduated from Cal Poly Pomona and the day that we had our graduation was the day that Bourdain offed himself. So we all were kind of like, That's it weird. was like a heavy mood. And being in a hospitality school, of course, we all had like bottles of champagne as we're you know before we're walking down the aisle everyone everyone studies wine when they're in this school and so we're all you know pouring some out for Bourdain but it was there was a heavy you know everyone was affected by it it was a shocking amount of uh, impact 
yeah. on us. Yeah, he had a, a pretty big influence. He had a huge influence, a cultural yeah, impact. Personally, yeah. He was like, you know, the walking, talking tour guide for the world. There were people who did that before, but they were all on the cheery side of travel. They they loved the, mm. you know, Samantha Brown or whoever showing you Europe. But he he showed it from a human perspective. You know, that was... <laughs> That was why I hate these all nighters. Yeah. But you got to taste the fried chicken at sunrise. Yeah. I think my understanding changed when David Chang was talking about it. You know, him being not David Chang, David Cho, the painter, the painter. He was he was pretty close with him. And he just got pissed at Bourdain for doing something so selfish. When I understood that perspective, I was like, yeah, I don't know why. He's got a point. It's such a yeah. He had a that yeah. changed my idea of because it's like what are friends for? Yeah, you should like talk. If you actually look back at all of his content that he created, he had that underlying yeah he, despair. He joked it was about it. it was well yeah, but it was a lot. not a huge shock to be honest. It wasn't not a huge, a huge shock. shock. Yeah. No. So then you're like, okay, he yeah, he kind of did what he said he was gonna do. But then the perspective of David Cho of being so angry at him for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably react the same way to my close friend who did that. Yeah. Would you say you're a people pleaser? I would have said that before. You know, I kind of worked through that. My automatic default is of servanthood. So others might see that as being a people pleaser, but... Okay, this is good. So can you like explain the, the differences? The differences between a people pleaser and having a servant's heart? Yeah, to, to you. What's the definition? My heart of servanthood kind of stems from my from my Christian beliefs. Yeah. Right. To be able to serve others is to to love and overflow onto others just as God has done for me. Whereas I think people pleasing is just to be in a higher opinion of others. Mm. To put myself into this kind of you're Maybe. getting yeah you're getting 100 percent of the the love yeah yeah, so yeah. To speak. it's so others would think highly more highly of me but that's yeah. we do <laughs> <laughs> that's not my intention my intention is just to overflow with the love that's been given on to me the blessings yeah. and then to be able to bless others with with what i've been given well said going back to your life like somewhat wealthy areas of like being in the kitchen and hospitality um i mean you had to dress up every day i, th- I remember you we went to one of your downtown spots long ago uh-huh. and we got a real big preview of what frankie does every day sure and i just look at it like this is exhausting i mean i don't know how he's doing this well that so yeah after i did the hospitality management i went to the wine side of things so i got my sommelier certification and then i uh, yeah 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 Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so i I was working downtown right city club la where that's right yeah doing how long that was like um a year and a half almost two (gasps) years yeah during that time do you ever like come across feeling too much pressure too much pressure from what just doing that job because you never know what these who are these people called like customers or clients might behave might demand, behave well demands complain of course yeah that is part of becoming 
comfortable in the industry is the uncomfortability that you experience with difficult customers. But as you kind of go through and learn from these uncomfortable experiences of, of difficult people, you learn how to better manage these interactions. Give, give, give us a story. <laughs> Come on. There's always the one customer who is... <laughs> There's always the one. The one. So, you know, I, didn't, I, ne- I would never send a server to this specific member because I know he would always belittle any yeah. server who was there. So I would personally have to take care of this person. Okay, walk us through that. A lot of dietary restrictions. Sure. Making sure. And then if you're not quick on the spot, he would say something. But the servers wouldn't, would always feel intimidated to correct him. But as a manager, I had no problem telling him that he was being a bad person. I would have to, you know, I just kind of manage expectations and then over try and over deliver, right? So be like, you know, you know, it's a little crazy right now. I'm I'm here to help you in any th- way that I can, you know. But here's here's uh, here's what we're gonna do. I'll get this out to you. Here's a little here's a little appetizer. Enjoy your time with your guests. Look through the wine menu. Did it work? Yeah, he knew. He everyone always knew that this guy had a rough personality. So we, you know, it's just a part of navigating that kind of world that where people can pay to be rough. It doesn't mean you have to take it, but it just means that you have to manage expectations. I just hate customer service, man. I just, every day at a job, I'd be like very nervous. I'd be like, who am I going to run into this time? You know? Well, they're great customers. You know, I did time in, in Thailand and uh yeah, some yeah. of the kids came to america at one point and they came and visited this this uh club this private oh, you club took them there yeah they came and then one of the members sponsored a lunch for them wow one of the greatest guys what's uh, his name let's give a shout ron out. lansky yeah okay. mr lansky he's he's Good the man. kind of guy who you know he'll just come in on in a polo and just have like a glass while he's waiting for his next meeting and then he'll invite you. Hey, we're doing karaoke tonight over at this bar. Come join. <laughs> just and just you're like, the that's my favorite guy. thing. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun, actually. I did, and then I joined. I did join. Of course, you I, had to join. I I was really thinking about not doing it, but then. Oh, we should talk about that. Like, I mean, do you have like lots of moments of reluctance? I'm always down for the new experience, but then once always, I, Frankie, always. Once I think that this new experience is something that I didn't like before then i'll skip out on it getting to know people is usually worth it that's your way of networking that, yeah that yeah. intimate when i was networking no one was in hospitality it was everyone was lawyers or they were in construction or they were in politics at this at this specific club and getting to know these people who would come in like every day I spend a lot of time with them. They got to know what my passions were as well as uh, I, I I got to know what their passions so were. So you can always reconnect with them in the future. Yeah. If yeah, there's yeah. a similar interest. Yeah. yeah where yeah. both of you can win. I still keep in contact with, with Ron Lansky. Yeah, good. Yeah. So we should tell the listeners, you committed, dedicated, waited, actually did something incredible. You went halfway around the world 
to Thailand of all places. Yeah. Just dove into this mission trip program, we can say, through this place called Mango House. And you decided to spend a lot of time to serving, helping, teaching, and cooking for these kids who are, what's the age range? Uh, like preschool to uh, college university seniors. Okay. Yeah. So the main reason why I wanted you here is because I really wanted to understand why you have such a big heart. <laughs> why no one else is like you. Well, that's and a, you let me finish. Right. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes, sir. Take a drink. As I was going through at City Club, you know, working with wine, being the small on the floor, a lot of vendor relations. It was fun. A lot of wine tastings, whiskey tastings. I did some small mission trips to Thailand and I got this. I, I can't I can't call it anything other than a calling. Right. I got this calling to follow what was to me gospel motivated hospitality. How did that calling come to you? I feel like I was born for hospitality to to show hospitality to others and what that looks like from a gospel motivated person uh, perspective yeah. is to be reaching out to the other. So who is the other? I don't know. Anyone, everyone, right? That you took it further though. You could have easily like served places here. I mean, down the street from your house. I, I've always done that as well. So I oh. grow. I grew up going to to Mexico to downtown. A lot of yeah. like local ministry and mission works. Was anyone against that idea? My namesake, my grandfather, he was the biggest opponent to me pursuing something that didn't yield a lot of money. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah. But me being his namesake, I think, may, may have played a, a, the biggest role. Uh, or, you know, it's a it's How a did that make you factor. feel? I understand he wants the best for me. I mean, did it bum you out or did you just brush it past? Or? No, I mean, unfortunately, I can't not listen to my calling. I'm so overwhelmed by the need to go. Why Thailand? Well. Why not Hawaii or... I mean, I could easily do this kind of ministry here in LA. Yeah, and, easily. Yeah. During these short term these short term trips, I really began to um you know oh, have I a see. heart for for these kids. But it just they're became not clearer and clearer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. But the so the kids who come through here, they are from uh Myanmar mainly, Burma. Uh they're fleeing uh, some any sort of poverty or conflict. And they are essentially uh, semi-undocumented. Is this still happening? Karen people, the Kachin people, these people are in uh, the longest ongoing civil war currently against the Myanmar government. Uh, and they're not, even though they're born in this territory known as Myanmar, they're not recognized as citizens. So the paperwork that they have is whatever they have from their village you know, it's like almost a rebel state. It's a rebel state within the country. That's that's mostly along the eastern border. Uh, the kids at Mango House come from the northern border. They're different um, tribal minorities who are coming in. And, uh, you know, each situation is different. You know, many are fatherless. Um, many are uh, escaping, you know, potential abuse. Um, you know, from there's, their parents? Uh, each situation is different. Yeah. 
Is there a lot of orphans too? There are a couple of true orphans. A true orphan would be that they're placed under the care of the officially their care is under Elijah Foundation Mango House. There's a huge strong conviction in me to show as I've been blessed to, to be a blessing to show this love overflowing onto how we're called to care for the orphans and the widows, the fatherless. It says specifically in the Bible, the fatherless care for the fatherless. So this, you know, having this vision and the ability to show hospitality to these people really has driven me to have the need to go back. Now, your recent trip from a few months ago, how long were you there? So I was there just shy of a year. Originally, a year, January to December. Uh, yeah. You enjoyed every moment of it? Every moment that I was healthy. Yeah. I, I, I got COVID for, there? Know, for a week Yeah, while I was out there. Oh, my gosh. You were so careful here, too. And then you got it there. Yeah. Everyone got it. Uh, oh. You know, they, it came in waves. So when obviously when one All child brings COVID back to the children's home, everyone gets COVID. No, nobody died, right? Nobody died. Okay. Uh, from COVID. No. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What's the first memory that comes to mind? So I did a lot of culinary teaching, uh, hospitality management amongst saw that. the, yeah, amongst the um, college age kids. So Mango House is an education based children's home that helps bring kids from rural border villages of Thailand to uh, urban education environments. So many, as I said, are fatherless or they're you know, protecting some of the young girls from uh, potential abuse or, you know, uh, previous abuse, giving them this education opportunity in the city, including, uh, you know, English tutoring. And on the weekends, we did a lot of culinary classes, as well as I experimented with a potential future project of hospitality management and culinary training which uh, I hope to, you know, implement in the future. I saw your blog, your schedule. I mean, you were working all day, every day. Yeah, so I had to create that schedule. Thailand is very uh, meticulous with with who is working in their country. Uh -huh. So I had to provide that with photos, all these reports every three months on what I was doing. So, yeah, I had to... Of course uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, seven days a week. Friday, I had Friday mornings off, but Friday mornings <laughs> I'd often go to, there was a like a Yunnan, which is southern uh, Chinese province. I would go to this Yunnan market. You know, there's always some crazy new dish or product that I had never seen before. So, Jeez. yeah. Whenever you had a good idea, did you always have to get an approval or could you make your own decisions? As far as with the with with the Every ministry day. that I wanted to do, yeah, so yeah. there I did English. I did uh, three hours of English everyday uh, teaching, uh, and then a lot of like curriculum development. But as far as that, the ministry that I put on was was my uh, my home my own project. Now these kids are living there together. Yeah. What about their moms and or dads? Like, well, I don't know if I said it's a leader led. A ministry this children's home so the older kids you know there's the college kids and high school and uh, the older ones are constantly uh, taking care of and raising uh, the younger kids so it's a really beautiful environment to see these 
kids just bring up the the people below them knowing their stories and having the personal experience of either uh, all of them are away from their family if they have family many of them their fathers are in jail or they're drug runners or they're they're dead or they just don't know who their father is but like i said each situation is different but it's beautiful to see the kids uh it's one big it's a it's a family you know they eat together they cook together you know the college and high school kids they're all cooking for each it's other like neverland uh, i wouldn't say that i don't know there's a documentary about that it was not neverland but no not his neverland oh oh the real the peter pan one yeah, yeah. the real neverland <laughs> Yeah, I'm talking about the real Neverland with yeah. Wendy and uh, Peter. I mean, the the whole point is for them to raise up. They're not. Yeah. They're that they're all help growing them grow up, up faster too. Yeah, they definitely they're adulting early. Yeah, if you, we. It's funny because sometimes when we'd have ministry where other kids would come from America, it's crazy to see the maturity level differences sure. of kids from of a second grader at Mango House and a second grader from America because, you know, they're raising each other. It's mm-hmm. not just, they're not doing it by themselves. It's not a second grader who's like raising himself. Okay, but you said the most of their fathers are just kind of in trouble. But, I mean, what about the moms? I mean, do they see them? Yeah, the moms, they usually cannot take care of the child. That's the main reason why they might be sent away if their mom is around. Usually, so Thailand is a different uh, philosophical structure than most countries where most, some other countries, America uh, or Korea, say, uh, will give their child up for adoption. But in these kind of uh, tribal, hill tribe people groups, it's a village thing so the other an aunt or a grandma or someone else in the village will raise the child when the mother cannot rather than just giving up for adoption do you ever get curious like oh they're gonna grow up and they might be messed up because they don't have family i don't see it that way at all i see it as we are providing that family you know they are a part of this they're like the happiest kids that sure. I've ever met. But I'm saying when their mind gets older, they notice you guys that come and go. And they still know they're lacking that biological family, that immediate family. Sure. So if I were you, I would just be very concerned over their future mental health and emotional health. Because, you know, when you grow up like broken like that, you you crave a mom and dad sure yeah it's definitely a better position uh, that they're in now than if they weren't at this property but i think a lot a lot of the kids do find solace in in jesus as their father do you have any regretful days any regretful days yeah like why am i doing this never had that thought while i was over there a whole year you never had that i never had that yeah nice I wish I had something to say I struggled with, but it was but like, it was just... the fulfillment of a calling that I have been waiting for. So, uh, yeah. Interesting. You were supposed to go in July 2020. I was. And then yeah. two long years later, I mean, you wrote this in your blogs, which is public. 
for everybody. You said your mind and your heart kind of shifted a little bit because of that long wait. Yeah. So it felt like to me you were kind of rebooting yourself a little bit. There was definitely a reboot when I landed. What did that feel like? It was a training in waiting. I didn't take it for granted at all. Like a test. I wouldn't be as like... God is testing me. <laughs> <laughs> I made you wait two years, bro. Yeah. You going to do this or what? Yeah. He made me grateful for the things that I had while I was waiting. Like he what? Made, personally, my family. Time with the family. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, becoming an appreciative of, of family here. Sure. But then once I got there, it was like a whole new zeal, a whole new look on on this ministry that God was about to send me to do. And it really plunged me in and and I had a, a, a fervor and an energy to to serve and mm-hmm. and look for what the long term might look like. Do you want to have your own kids? That's a good question. I mean, it sounds like a joke, but it's not. That's the only question that I knew you were going to ask me. So I, I had you, thought psychic? about this. I knew you were going to ask that. I mean, it's a legitimate question. I mean, you're sure. you're temporarily fathering these kids, you know, yeah. and you may or may never see them again each time. Yeah. yeah. I personally don't feel the need. Okay. Yeah. Are you open to other countries? So the two ministries that I've done have been in Thailand yeah. and India. Yeah. But the reason that these ministries exist is because of the country in the middle that's having this turmoil, which is Myanmar. Yeah. Which is a very, very dark place. You know, they have essentially three civil wars going on right now. I saw the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Rambo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They currently have the military coup and there's a lot of, you know, political prisoners. And I mean, one can easily have compassion and empathy for those kids struggling yeah the uh, there could be a potential in the long term to do something over there what if you have a dream one day and it's by god and says you must go over here then i'll check it out (laughs) (laughs) Uh, during that year long in thailand i mean did you ever feel lonely i i lived off campus so i had my own apartment i was able to restore my batteries away if i was ever you know exhausted from being an extrovert with the kids or what have you but i never abused the time that i had alone to where i was uh that i ever felt lonely you can feel lonely when you're surrounded by people i understand that but i never had that kind of both yeah never just maybe while i was sick in bed i thought oh it'd be nice to have someone to help take care of me or uh, you know, to have company in this kind of, you know, intimate time. In that time, did you kind of wonder what if you had like a romantic partner? Sure. Yeah. 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 I'm not. Do, a, you, do you miss that? Are you putting love on pause? I am putting love on pause, I think, yeah. because. Uh, but you're still open to it? I'm still open to it. Because you might fall in love with somebody along the way. Yeah. I don't want to sound like a picky person, but not everyone's going to want to go and do this kind of work. Do you fantasize about someone like that who does Doing the same thing? Doing ministry with someone, yeah. It could Doing be anywhere. the same thing with you. Yeah, it could be anywhere. But I think, I, I do still think I'm called to have a partner to do this ministry with. But yeah. you do fantasize like someone. It would be great if like I could get 
two birds for one stone kind of thing. <laughs> what? The, I don't think I would think of it like that. Two, uh, a two for one Knocking deal. out, like, uh, I need labor and okay. I need uh, someone maybe, to take care of me when I'm sick. Maybe I'll cut that. No, just, just like having a woman next to you who you can have that romantic life and that servant life. Like a team. Yeah, that's... Yeah, a team is that's, exactly That's a what, great fantasy that we all would love to crave, you know? Yeah, I think that's where my priorities have also started to shift where maybe I was looking for someone before who would have been like my ideal American dream wife, but that's not the kind of person that I'm going to be doing ministry with. You know, this partner, she has to have the same heart. She has to have the same heart, the same servant heart, the same. And someone who can discern that they're not going to do this global work to please you. She's doing it because she really, really wants to. Sure. And you guys have the same values and beliefs and stuff. Yeah. If you can give us like a quick recap, like what, what was India like? Oh, India was, yeah, India was a whole different ball game. Because I would never go there. I, I'd be too scared. So obviously the main goal is to overflow God's love and show God's love to these people. In Thailand is a majority Buddhist country. And India is a majority Hindu country, but the region that we went to in India is a Christian state. Uh, called? It's called Nagaland. Okay. It's up all the way in the north, uh, northeast of India. It and juts how, into How Burma. long were you there? Uh, maybe like 10 days. And what was the overall experience like? So, yeah, this was not a normal trip because the missionary that we went with, Uh, that we went to visit who's from there it was his wedding the ministry was to be a part of his wedding and serve him Uh, this sounds like a movie okay yeah so it was an indian wedding we did we we did there is a children's home that we did ministry with there for three days that was their english is pretty good yeah their english yeah their english is really good obviously there was a lot of uh, british influence in oh that's right still Yeah. (laughs) yeah so um it was a totally different mission trip than the time that was spent in Thailand. There are uh, a lot of Christians in this community. and Okay, that kind of breaks the butter nicely. It's a totally different culinary scene as well. So for the wedding, there were like... Were you intimidated? It was quite overwhelming. You felt like you were starting from scratch? Which is exciting. Yeah, which is yeah. exciting. You thrive I love, on that. I, th- I love... I love cooking in a new environment with ingredients that I've never seen before. And Do people's rules in the kitchen like get in your way? Well, there's definitely lines where the host cooks and then I kind of broke through that where I was cooking for... You influenced. No, I mean, I was using... So so the, the, the children's home, it's a girl's home as well. Uh, this one is just for girls in India. And we cooked them a Christmas dinner. Which was? So they asked me to slaughter the turkey, which was a first for me. Uh, A live one? I mean, it was alive and then it was no longer alive. And then we ate it. But it was, there was no oven. So we roasted (laughs) it on this open, open charcoal fire. Like a caveman. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of smoke. Mashed potatoes and. uh, Okay. Yeah. Did you get sick on that trip? I didn't get sick on that trip, no. Okay. What was the hardest part of that trip? What's the word? 
find an oven. No, it actually had to do with reflecting on Thailand. So I immediately went from, you know, 11 and a half months, 11 months in Thailand, straight to India. Yeah. With Larry? With Larry, yeah. Can't believe it. Go on. But I hadn't processed exactly everything that I had. I hadn't even started to process everything that I had been through for the last mm. year. It was a rush. It was a rush and, you know, thrown into a new environment. Yeah. And, you know, it was fun learning the new cultures. Yeah. But it was difficult to try and process what I had just been through. Why did you feel like you had to process Thailand in that moment? Uh, (laughs) It's a funny story because they asked me to give a testimony on what I had done. The first day I arrived at the children's home, the girls' home. Oh, I see. They said, oh, just give us a brief understanding brief. of what you've done in the past year can't be brief after yeah. 11 months so i started talking about it and then i started to get emotional flash, i flash, yeah flash. so i was talking about you know how living together in this community i'm loving god and then we're growing in god together at mango house this is it's an otherworldly experience to be able to grow in a community towards god together sure and that is what my understanding of heaven looks like. So mm-hmm. this, so as I'm explaining this, you know, I'm I'm overwhelmed with the emotions of just coming back from being in a, what I think is a glimpse of heaven. Is there a video of that? No, there's there might be a photo. I'll, I'll I would look love for to it. see you emotional. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, I'm a very emotional person. So I I am too. Yeah. I don't believe it, but go on. Yeah. Your I mean, writing is emotional. It is. Yeah, that's. I haven't. I guess I haven't fully processed my return yet, because every time I do, you know, it's kind of like it. I do get emotional, you know, looking for. Do you kind of fear that losing memory of what everything that happened would freak you out? I think losing fear. Uh, okay. I think losing the. Did memories, you understand my question? I did. Yeah. When I have a great day, for example, like Mother's Day. That's the most recent. I had a great fucking day on Mother's Day. And I don't know if it's just age or if it's just me. But when the day is over, you're driving home. You come home. It's quiet. You're alone. And then you sit in my chair. It's like, did that just happen? It's one of those like quick, blurry dreams that was just so good that you kind of immediately doubt yourself. Like, it's such a blur already and i want to keep having days like that i have this strange theory call me crazy but i think happiness can sometimes cause sadness you're always trying to like push down that sadness and just keep going after you know the things that you love and the days that you love you so you're you're saying like the the peaks mm-hmm. are as high as the lows the lows are as high as the peaks yeah and you always want to just try to maintain those positive peaks yeah and that's where the burnout emotionally can happen. But that's that's who I am. That's how I feel. And um, that's why I'm asking you, like, you just landed in India. You had 11 months in Thailand. And then all of a sudden, you have to talk about it. And you're like, I haven't processed it. I'm only remembering three things. This is bad. What the heck? Did that just happen? Was that all a dream? It was just too good. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely that experience. But I think as as long as I know that I've made a difference in someone else's life, that's what I think will remain. Another example I'll share. 
I come to realize what's worse than losing a loved one is losing the memory of your loved one. Sure. And that freaking terrifies me. Yeah. For example, and it sounds like a movie. I mean, because, okay, I come from movies, okay? So I only know how to talk like this. But, like, I'll go to my parents' place, sitting on the couch with the TV on, and I just see my mom and dad's backs in the kitchen. Mm. They're standing side by side. And I'll just, like, stare at that and be like, you know, like, I'm, I love this moment. It's almost meaningless. You're just watching these two backs. And then you hear them giggling or fighting. Then they giggle. And I'm like, I, I really hope heaven is like that. And I hope they get in. And I hope that this can go on every day kind of thing. Yeah, I just can't h- stop thinking about their mortality. Sure. Yeah, it fucking makes me yeah. weepy instantly. But you, you coming from the world of photography, then you yeah. know how powerful capturing that moment is. That's so tricky you say that. It's, yeah, yes and no. Everyone's documenting everything these days. I try not to do that sometimes. Like some things are worth documenting for savoring that memory forever on playback. But there's nothing more powerful than playing back an actual memory. Of course. Right? Yeah. And people think, oh, I want to take a picture of this. I want to shoot this. I want to shoot this for my memory. I mean, no, you're not. You're not going to remember that way. Yeah. Like there's a huge difference between looking at a sunset through your viewfinder than it is to just like sit there and look at the sunset. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's different. Yeah. I have a, I have a very vivid memory of, <clears throat> speaking of mortality, my, my grandparents. Yeah. So we were just at another family member's funeral. And as they're uh, walking away, my grandfather is deaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My grandmother is blind. Right, right. You shared this before. And he has, you know, he's holding her hand and guiding her. That's beautiful. There's a photo of that, you know, that will forever live in my, you know, live in my memory. Yeah. But I can always visit that photo as well. I try not to criticize others for shooting nonstop. That's a different story. Yeah, I'm trying to get to your thing, your point. Um, As I'm building, uh, you know, like my website or or writing a blog, you know, I'll go back and see the photos that I've taken or that someone shared with me from that time to to reflect. And it's such a it's a great way to process everything is to kind of go back. Oh, I totally forgot I did that. Yeah. Because not everything lives in our memories we have to be reminded of it what i just told you about just looking at my parents instead of me shooting them in the kitchen i think that would kind of tarnish my memory i think it would be more powerful if someone discreetly shot me looking at them sure and i'll look at it months later because my friend surprised me hey i got this like you know kind of boring shot of you just over your shoulder looking at your parents yeah but I want to give it to you anyway because it's yours. Yeah. Your family. It's like, so when someone else shoots you, your life, I think that's somewhat more powerful than you shooting your life. Yeah. Does so that like, make sense? Yeah. That photo that I have of my grandparents holding yeah. hands walking away from this funeral, I didn't take the photo. Mm. You know, my cousin took the photo, but we were, our whole family was there to witness them walking by themselves yeah. and taking care of each other. I'm not the photographer. I'm not the one that's capturing the moment, but I do rely on these photos that people have sent me in it. Yeah. That's, I don't take that for granted. 
So do you want to go on these mission trips for the rest of your life? For the rest of my life, I will. I will be a servant. How have you changed the most? Like you said in the very beginning, I think I haven't had that. What What is the phrase? People pleaser. Yeah. That has diminished a lot. The reliance on, oh, I have to do it so that these people think highly of me. Right. That's not why. That's I'm, not your motive anymore. Yeah. What are some of your fears? The most prevalent would be financially being able to save for the long term mm-hmm. goal. I feel like everyone has that fear. So why not do what I love and and then still strive and work for that? But it is hard to sell yourself to ask for money so you can go on these trips. But they don't know how much work you're really putting into it. Uh-huh. Well, I don't I don't see it as selling myself. I don't see it that way at all. Selling the service? I think if someone truly understood the purpose for these these missions yeah. or the you know the ministry that's going on it's not about me at all uh it's not even about the project it's about seeing god's love be shared upon these foreigners the refugees the the fatherless i am not the center of this project the gospel is what is motivating the hospitality frankie this has been a real pleasure uh thank you so much for coming down here and uh hope it didn't feel you know too painful but i think you shared some really great deep intimate um brave answers about your time in thailand and india like i said i can't believe it but it's ultimately it's a great thing what you're doing and i think you're being a great role model yeah. It's good seeing you. I'll probably never see you again. And uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. All right. Peace out. Bye.